0: Heads up, in this episode, Sebastian and John gush about wicked guitar licks, sexy robot saunas, and the scared mothers of the 80s when all are one, and here's why it's great. Hi there, I'm John Bring, And I'm Sebastian Kalichik, and welcome to episode two of Here's Why It's Great. A show where a couple of guys in their 30s talk about the things they love and why they love them. So today is a subject very near and dear to my heart. It is uh, a record that, I don't want to say changed my life, but yeah, I think I'm going to go there. (laughs) It really, it's affected me in a lot of ways for very many years. Uh, We are talking about Transformers, the movie soundtrack. Wow. And now, not just the movie. Like, we're not talking about the movie. We're no, We're talking no. about the sound. Yeah, we're talking thing. about the songs behind the movie. We're talking about 1986's Transformers, the movie. Don't mistake this for the crappy Michael Bay movies. Wow, of 1986. Which- I know, I know. It uh, really makes you feel old. I. Uh, that's when I realized, when I put it in uh, to watch last night, I realized, oh, shit, this is a 30th anniversary edition. <laughs> I am friggin' old. So, yeah, this is a, a movie... When I saw it for the first time, I was very young. It was a mysterious VHS tape that I have still have, to this day, no clue how I got. I don't okay. think it was recorded from the TV because there were no commercials. And it also had the famous line, oh shit, what are we going to do now, cut from it. So it felt like it was recorded from TV, oh, wow. but obviously it had been somehow censored. So I'm really curious where this came from. It had no label on it. I don't... So it, wasn't a, it was not a store-bought? No, it, it you didn't. Was... You didn't get it from the pawn shop? Maybe. My parents own a pawn shop and maybe that's where it came from. Because I grew up loving basically any robot that turned from one thing into another. I loved Transformers. I loved GoBots. I loved Voltron. That was just my jam from the time I was very, very little from probably the time I was three or four to, I mean, today. I I will play with a Transformer <laughs> to this day. Anytime I'm around one, I have to transform it. It's just a compulsion at this point.
1: I like that you had... I like the
0: idea of it being a magical tape, that you don't know where it came I, from. Yeah, it was just I, destiny. I think I still have it somewhere at my mom's old house back in Georgia, and I'll never get rid of it. I mean, I've got it on Blu-ray. I've got it on DVD. I've got it in... I remember buying, like, a bootleg of... A uh, hundred dollars got me the entirety of the the whole show every season of the show plus the movie, but it was all like a Japanese uh bootleg of it, so none of the none of the menus or anything had English, so I just kind of had to like figure out my navigation through the thing, but it was wonderful because it had uh all four seasons of the original g one Transformers the movie, and then wow. everything that followed, which was only another couple couple or three seasons. I That's believe cool. one entire season of Transformers is considered. Uh, This movie, which was basically four episodes strung together into a sequel movie, quote unquote. But yeah, this is a movie I was completely blown away when I saw it as a kid. It was fantastic. Still some of my favorite animation ever because the animation on the cartoon, while I feel like is good, there's a lot of jankiness to the animation because that's just what it was. It was a mass-produced Saturday morning style cartoon, a lot of reused animation and stuff. But this was just something else, and... Narratively, it took a lot of risks because basically the backstory to it is at the end of the, I believe, fourth season of Transformers, Generation 1, sales had dipped. So it was time to clear off all the old toys and create a new slew of characters to introduce to become new toys. And so this movie basically served that purpose. It was out with the old, in with the new. We're thrown, ah, man, probably at least fifteen new characters that we had never met before, but were assumed to just love immediately right. because we follow them the entire movie. And lost characters we love. Lost a lot of characters we love. Uh some major, one obviously very major character and a lot of minor characters uh, were just swept under the rug as if they were nothing. With the, some with very little like pomp and circumstance. Oh like zero this, pomp like... and circumstance. I will I definitely am gonna bring that up later on later down the road, but uh, and recently I had the wonderful opportunity to go see this on the big screen. Uh, unfortunately, Sebastian, I had offered you a ticket. You could not go with me. Uh, so I dragged my wife to it and she had, Oh, did she go? Oh yeah. She went, she, I was not going to miss it. I was, I would have gone <laughs> by myself. She had no fucking clue what was going on. I asked her like, what'd you think of the movie? And she was like, well, at least there were recliners. She was like, I didn't know who anybody was. Nothing was explained. Um, She's a a TV writer, so I think she takes its stuff very seriously. And I understand that. I I come from a place I've been watching this movie for, obviously, close to 30 years now. And um, I just know these characters. They're part of my heart. Hot Rod and Cup and Ultra Magnus and Springer and RC; Those are just characters that are ingrained in my psyche. And Galvatron and Unicron. I mean, God, I've been scared of Unicron basically my entire life. I was five years old when this movie came out. I was probably seven or eight when I finally saw it. I, I mean, I'll just
1: say I loved the Transformers when I was growing up, and I and loved this movie. Uh, they would play it, like, at daycare and stuff. Like, I, I saw the movie several times when I was young. I saw the movie more recently, maybe a couple months ago, a few months ago. Uh, I got it off Netflix just to, just to rewatch it. But you are by far a much larger Transformer fan than I am. As I said, I love them growing up, but I I do not have the encyclopedic knowledge that you do. And I probably
0: don't have an encyclopedic knowledge by any stretch. I'm sure there are millions of people who know way more about this stuff than I do. But the reason I wanted to do the soundtrack is because even as a kid, the soundtrack, the songs on it, and the score also always really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And around 2002, I was in college, and uh, my best friend and I... Uh, skipped school one day to drive to Tallahassee, Whoa. Florida. Oh, I know. A couple we were of hoodlums. A couple of bad boys. We skipped school one day to uh, to drive to Tallahassee, Florida, which was... I'm from a small town, Valdosta, Georgia, which is about 10 minutes away from the Florida border. Pretty small town, not a lot to do. And so we you know, ran through our fun options pretty quickly. And uh, the nearest, quote-unquote, big city was Tallahassee, which is about a little over an hour away. It's about an hour and a half. From Valdosta. Really beautiful drive through country backroads and stuff. It's a great drive. But it was uh, it was where FSU is, so there's a lot more to do, a lot more mm. to see. And specifically, we would go to buy CDs. From like yeah. the warehouse or something? Yeah, from CD... from Yeah, exactly. But no, we would go to these CD. There was a place called Vinyl Fever that we went to to buy, obviously, uh, records. vinyl records. W- before they had their huge upswing they've been having in the last few years. And we'd go buy used CDs. Uh, But we ended up, on this particular trip, going to a CD store that we never saw before and never saw again, like a CD warehouse type store, and I found a copy of Transformers the movie, the soundtrack, a pristine copy, and I felt like I had found El Dorado. I felt (laughs) like it was some lost idol that belonged in a museum, and I was Indiana Jones, like picking the CD up with one hand and putting down the bag of sand with the other. But it was money. (laughs) Yeah, but it was a $20 bill. Uh so I bought it and I mean I played out that CD just as much as you could play out that v- that I played out that VHS tape. I it was on constant rotation. I felt like I had like was so lucky to have found this. Now it seems like, silly uh, because it's on Spotify. <laughs>
1: so yeah, right. those were the days when like you had to search stuff down, like hunt stuff down. There wasn't like yeah, there wasn't digital streaming music and movies yeah. and
0: you couldn't get everything off of eBay. You, yeah. There was no Amazon, guys. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Amazon, I literally just bought the soundtrack on vinyl yesterday <laughs> from, so, Amazon. <laughs> from Amazon. So it'll be here in a couple of days, and I can't wait to spend that bad boy. Uh, and actually, I think I said 2002. I think it was actually probably like 99, 2000. I think I was like a year or so out of high school, which means that that $20 that I threw down was probably my budget for the entire trip of something right. to spend. Like, I probably had, like, $30 to get lunch and to buy one keepsake from this trip, and that was it. And I could not have been happier. And I still own the CD. I mean, I think I still own all my CDs in, like, a giant <laughs> booklet. I don't know why I keep them, but that, I feel like one, when the day comes that I do finally throw all the CDs out, if I keep, like, two or three just to reminisce, that will be one of them, 100%. Because, yeah, it had not only all these weird <laughs> one-off, one like... Hair metal songs, but they had it had the score most importantly, which I have been enchanted by the score. So it had my so whole it had life.
1: Not just the score; it also had just like other music.
0: on Yeah, it, it was ten tracks. Three were three or four, I think, uh, were the score, and then the rest were like oh. those metal tunes that would just show up. It's every song that's in the movie. And recently, they, which is what is on Spotify, we're not going to talk about these today because. I think I want to oh, but, stick to the original 10 tracks that I okay. uh, have been listening to for the last 20 years, but they just released it with three extra songs of the score, uh, which includes Unicron's theme, which is one of the creepiest, most spooky songs in the world. I love it. It's Vince DiCola. It's a completely synthesized score. I'm pretty sure he was like a one-man band. I'm, he may have had a couple of uh, bandmates to play with him, but do you know his other big movie that he did right before this? What was it? Rocky Four. What? So he co-wrote the song Hearts on Fire. Also, I played this out. I played out the Rocky Anthology, yeah, um, which had a couple. It also had the great uh, song War by Vince DiCola, which was when Rocky and Ivan Drago are pounding each other in the ring. Amazingly talented dude. And for some reason, after Transformers the movie, he really didn't do any more movie scores. He did Rocky and Transformers, and as I say often... Retired as champion. <laughs> <laughs> that was his magnum opus. That, like, it kind of was. was. like, what more can I do? So, in terms of the soundtrack itself, obviously, the soundtrack and the movie, Tamir, are inexorably linked. There's no way I can separate the visuals of the movie with the song, so there's going to be a lot of crossover, but let's try to remove the movie itself and try to think of the, the soundtrack. What is your, like, impression of the soundtrack? I mean, at this point, just dated. Like, I, like, I think it's fun, and I just want to be clear, too, so...
1: Because I think I was a little bit confused. So on the soundtrack, it is all the stuff that was in the movie. there, But there's not extra songs. No. Okay. It's That's not like a soundtrack today
0: where it's one song that was actually in the movie and then like 15 just random Kendrick Lamar exactly. songs. Exactly. That's what I was yeah, trying to do. These, these are all actually used in the movie. All the songs that are in the movie plus a selection of the score. Okay. I mean, uh,
1: really what comes to mind is... You got the touch. Like, like there's certain things, but as you said, it's really hard to sort of divorce it from the movie. I never had the soundtrack. I only ever heard that music with the movie. Oh, you're in for a treat. I've also, I mean, I've sent clips of it, uh, mainly of uh, You Got the Touch, to people just because it's, like, fun and, like, kitschy and nostalgic and stuff. But it's definitely not a soundtrack that I'd be like, you know what I'm going to listen to today
0: the Transformers soundtrack. See, that's my thing. Uh, I, maybe I'm the weirdo, but I will just put that on to enjoy. What is it about it? I mean, is it when you are
1: listening to it, is it you're sort of re-watching the movie in your head, or are you able to just be like,
0: you know what, I enjoy this music just because, hey, it's great music. Both. I certainly can't, like you said, can't divorce it completely from the movie, and anytime I hear the song Dare or The Touch, I always think of certain shots from the movie, but I don't know. Um, I, I can go into a little bit more detail later when we get on our track to track review of it, which we're about to do. But I think uh, I think a lot of this had to do with me becoming like sort of a metalhead. If I had to pick one genre of music that I like more than anything or that I could listen to more than anything. It's heavy metal music or, I guess, hard rock or whatever. But, like, Metallica is one of my favorite bands. Black Sabbath, I like Megadeth, I like, you know, all that stuff. Maybe not the crazier death metal, like, or the Norwegian occult-style metal, but, and I feel like, to a small degree, this movie, being that I watched it so many times as a kid and I loved the songs in it Mm -hmm. because of my tie to the images on the screen, I feel like that kind of, like... Was my gateway drug into metal music because my father hated it. I, I, most of my musical taste kind of comes from my mom and dad, particularly my dad, who is just into like '70s rock and stuff. Aerosmith and U2 and the Beatles aren't exactly Metallica, so right. uh, so I feel like they were. A, it was a bit my gateway drug to it, and I just I think there are some rad songs on here. No matter how you slice it, sure they're a little dated um, sure. by modern sensibilities, but I'm excited for you to experience these songs separate from the movie. Me too. So, Let's shall we it. shall we get into it? Let's do it. First track coming hot out the gate. Wow. Stan Bush with the Touch. Wow. What do you think? So it is so the title is just The Touch. The Touch. Not, you got The t- Okay. Yeah. Got got the, touch. Just the Touch. Not to be confused with The Bad Touch by The Bloodhound Gang.
1: I have to say it was really interesting to listen to it without that amazing animation.
0: Yeah, with um, Optimus Prime. By the way, this obviously is one of the more famous scenes of the movie. Optimus Prime, at the darkest hour during the movie, the Autobot city's been under siege. All has been lost. They've lost so many of their finest people. Everyone's about to die. Optimus Prime shows up and, as Cup says, turns the tide. It's like him just beating ass, whereas apparently none of the none of the Decepticons at this point have been hurt, apparently. Yeah. Uh, he runs over a few of them. He transforms and is flying through the air, shooting with that badass gun that he's got. And he finally is about to take on Megatron and uh, set things right and get get the Autobots out of this jam that they're in. Yeah. Um, but listening to it without all that, it very much felt like it's the only thing that could have made Rocky V better. I agree. And funny you say that because this song was written not for Rocky, but for a different Stallone movie. It was written for Cobra. Really? Yeah. It was written for Cobra. It would have the, been wasted on the, the, Cobra. Uh, yeah, the producers decided not to put it in that. And I feel like having not seen Cobra in a while, uh, I still feel like the tone of this song does not fit with that movie at all. at all. It was like he saw Rocky Three and was like, well, I bet I could write a song for Rocky Four. That didn't work out, so he tried for Cobra, and it ended up in this. Probably to Stan Bush's benefit, because yeah. uh, this song, and he has another song on the soundtrack, kind of like cemented his place in history really yeah I mean, uh, these are the classic
1: I mean that's why like I said I didn't I didn't like you know eat up this soundtrack or anything but clearly this is the pinnacle of the Transformers soundtrack I mean this is if you're gonna know something from the, the Transformers movie this
0: is the song yeah this is the song and this is why like this song is able to supersede even the Transformers theme which we'll get to later yeah. which I think is an equally amazing song. But, yeah, this song could get a dead man amped. I mean... Like, I mean, like somebody would, would come out of their grave pumping their fist and <laughs> ready to beat some ass with this song. Oh, I, yeah, I
1: guess. I can definitely see them coming out pumping their fist. Yeah, for know, sure. I mean, maybe ready to dance. To beat some Decepticon ass. I think that it certainly is energetic. Dude was wailing. Yeah. I appreciate that. I enjoy this song. Yeah. Again, so much of that is tied to the actual right. movie. But just listening to the song, again, I think it would have been a great song for a Rocky movie, particularly Rocky Five. But yeah, I don't know that this is a song, and that's just, I guess, this is a song I think I would listen to to smile.
0: Yeah, and look, let me just say this. I think this is a great song. It is not my favorite song on this album. Okay. In fact, it's probably third or fourth. Okay. Of my favorite songs on the album. Interesting. Um, I know that m- it may seem like sacrilege. That may be a controversial opinion among yeah. uh, Transformer fans. Unpopular opinion. Possibly. But I you know, I think this one is just so cheeseball. Yeah. That, and that's just not maybe my taste. That being said, I really enjoy the song. And it is like a perfect way to start this album. Yeah. Um, because it really sets a tone. Yeah. It sets a tone. Um, you're in for a cheeseball good time. This is not going to be, like, a challenging intellectual experience. This is just going to be fun, you're going to have a good time, kick back, listen to some good jams. And, I mean, you get that in the first three lines, right? Yeah. You got the touch, you got the power. Yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest lyrics of all time, (laughs) yeah. Obviously, Usher and Lil Jon would steal that lyric many years later with their song, Yeah. Um, I think Stan Bush uh, probably deserves some reparations on that one. Um, Stan, but funny fact about this song is Stan Bush would later, once the Michael Bay movies were go- getting made, he would try to resubmit the song and reformat it for those movies. Obviously, stylistically, it didn't quite fit with the uh, the late two thousands. Uh, so, so he rewrote the song and added some rap verses in there oh, wow. to a song called "The Touch." Sam's theme, meaning Sam Witwicky, oh, okay. the uh, the Shia, Shia LaBeouf's character, was it Witwicky? Actually, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I know that was uh, Spike and uh, Spike Witwicky from the original Transformers cartoon. Anyhow, but he changed it and it basically became a Linkin Park song, and it's horrible. He turned what was a delightful '80s piece of nostalgia into a really dreary like late 2000s like kind of like post new metal Schlockfest. and it was really so it was perfect n- for the new transformers movie basically but michael bay wisely and <laughs> one of his few good decisions decided not to use that song huh. uh but i recommend in fact at our social media we will post uh this song just so you can enjoy it for yourself i listened to it last night and um it's quite an experience yeah i'll have to
1: I want to listen to that,
0: but I think yeah, this one is like obviously the one that most people know. You got to come hot out the gate, yeah. You know, you got to come in with your your guns blazing. They did, um, you know, put your best foot forward. And I feel like this is the best foot the CD could have put forward, uh, the soundtrack could have put forward. So, are we ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Next song on the soundtrack: the tune "Instruments of Destruction" by NRG. Wow. I mean, what a powerhouse. Just a little background on energy. They uh, were formed in 1979. They recorded in a chicken coop. That's about all I could find about them. (laughs) Except for they've shared the stage with such acts as Joan Jett, Blue Oyster Cult, Nazareth, Extreme, Judas Priest, and the hardest of hard rock bands, the Goo Goo Dolls. (laughs) So this was a part of the movie that was the first scene that traumatized me as a kid. This is the scene where the Autobots are flying to Earth in their ship, uh, the Decepticons infiltrate the ship, and we see the deaths of four primary characters from the show. Brawn, who kind of goes down like a bitch because he gets shot once in the shoulder and dies, but, I mean, whatever. He got shot by Megatron. I guess that's powerful. extra f- powerful. Ratchet, Prowl, and Ironhide. Ironhide gets his freaking head blown clean off. Yeah, that was intense. It was really intense. And this song just gave me this like weird feeling as a kid in my gut. And I feel like... That feeling was the metal beast yeah. awakening the for the first beast. time. <laughs> Just a head-banging monster, studded with metal and spikes. Uh, this song, like, still to this day, gives me a little bit of a tinge of that feeling. It makes me feel like I'm a mother in the '80s who wants to like rush into their kid's room and pull this record off the, <laughs> the record player and like burn it. You know, um, oh, wait, like, it makes
1: you feel like the
0: mother. Yeah, like a part. Like I'm scared of it. Like oh, it makes me okay. afraid. Which is why I like it so much, I think. Yeah, it was, I
1: mean, I, I had, once you once you reminded me, that scene came back into my head. I had forgotten that this was attached to that scene, which was kind of great just listening to it because I was just so wrapped up in how awesome that song was. Hell yeah. The singing, that that sort of like super metal where you like change words how words sound. Yeah,
0: there's one point where the word is "does" and he pronounces it dowels, Yeah, which by the way, I don't know if you uh, ever listened to Megadeth or any any, yeah. any of our listeners. This is basically kind of like Megadeth light a little bit. Yeah. Like he sounds like Dave Mustaine. It's it's got the sort of like vaguely ominous lyrics, really the hallmarks of any great metal song which are <laughs> a badass singer, some cool guitar licks and vaguely ominous lyrics. Yeah. Um, I mean that
1: guitar solo was awesome.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's great and I love oh man, the singer, when you listen to the song, if you make it to the end, the singer does this amazing note right at the end, just like totally goes into falsetto for the last uh, chorus, and just does this extended note through the band, just hitting hitting the drums the last couple times that just blows me away every time, and I miss when metal singers, especially, but really just male singers and all. Would go into like these weird, crazy falsetto yells. Yeah. Like it, in the 70s, it was commonplace. Everybody did it. But, and Prince was actually one of the greats of doing that. Like going into yeah. that like really high pitched, like growl yell. Love it so much. And this is a perfect example of that. I love this song. No, i I agree I, I, I'm so happy that you do <laughs> uh because yeah again this was the beginning of my conversion into a metalhead. and I and I mean I didn't even realize it until I sat down with this album to really like think about and re-experience it and feel these feelings right but yeah like I feel like this was totally it like this song made me feel something yeah made me feel something that a good metal song will make you feel and uh, they have the word transform oh yeah yes. how could we forget I mean I think that uh, you know, it was the reason for its inclusion in the first place. Not only is it a great song and it went perfectly with the scene, but they say the words transform <laughs> in the song. How perfect can you get? I We will get more perfect, actually, oh. as, the, as the album wears on. There are, uh, apparently they did have to change a few lyrics, however. It was a little bit sexier uh, slash scarier at the beginning. There's a line, Iron Birds of Fortune, which was apparently Iron Birds of Foreplay. And also, Flying Fools of Torture had to be changed to Flying Tools of Torment. And uh, then uh, the uh, the ultimate chorus was a, a violent eruption, uh, which they all had to change from a violent seduction. Uh, so I actually like the changes. I do like the changes, too. Uh, because the, the sexual connotations really confuse things. Because it is not like a song about... Sex, really. It's just, again, a a vaguely ominous, like, evil-sounding song. Yeah. And I think that all the changes sort of help move it in that direction. But, yeah, having stuff about foreplay and seduction, it was like, what? Yeah. Kind of just mixed messages. So, good on them. Good on NRG. Good notes. So, all right. Well, we are just beginning, so let's go on to the next one. This one's bound to tug on your heartstrings. It is The Death of Optimus Prime. (laughs) First off... Spoiler alert. Don't name the third track of your soundtrack, The Death of Optimus Prime. That actually <laughs> reminds me of when I got the soundtrack to The Phantom Menace, and I was oh. about track 20 or so, and it was The Death of Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. And uh, my friend Jared Hill pointed that out to me, and it was like, oh, great, yeah. I guess he's not making it through. I guess old Liam Neeson's is biting it in this one. And he never came back as a Force ghost, so that's a bummer. Weird. But this is not that. This is... The death of Optimus Prime, our our primary hero up to this point. Optimus primary hero. Yeah, exactly. How did this make you feel?
1: Well, I kind of I said this as we were listening to it, but at a certain point, I just closed my eyes to kind of just let the song wash over me, and I felt like I was in the weirdest spa I'd ever <laughs> been in, a really like weird neo future eighties spa. Yeah, like they're like they're gonna give you a massage, but also kind of like talk to you about like your, I don't know. Yeah, you're, like ask you the if your stars are. Yeah,
0: ask you if your carburetors also working because you're a robot at a spa. Yeah, uh, like not
1: not your like um, chakras, but your like uh, hubcaps.
0: <laughs> so yeah, obviously this is uh, the first piece of score by Vince DiCola that's on this CD on this album, and it's really like kind of a suite of three different songs. There's three distinctive sections of it. Uh, for lack of a better, the because movements. of the, uh, yeah, three movements. Uh, for lack of a better, I'm going to tie this with the movie. The first part is basically Optimus Prime explaining that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Things are very somber. And then we have the moment where he takes out a very, like, glittery. This is probably the moment where he thought you were in a spot. Almost sounds like a Pink Floyd song. There's a. Those synthesizers that kind of sound like whales in the distance. Yeah. Where he takes a matrix of leadership from his chest and tries to hand it to Ultra Magnus. Obviously, it goes to Hot Rod. His a sacred lot of A lot of like chimes and stuff yeah. in this. And then uh, finally, a third section where uh, it begins with the, the strings, these pulsating strings going along with a reading of Optimus's uh, vitals, which I did not see anything attached to Optimus in that scene, so I don't know how they were reading his vitals. Wi-Fi, or, or does <laughs> yes, or does a Bluetooth. robot even have vitals? Really, uh, I guess this robot has vitals, and it's like it, when you get your car tuned up and they run diagnostics on it. Ah, exactly like that. So it's that, and then we ultimately have you know. I Optimus think Optimus Prime. could have lived, but they were like, that's too expensive. Like <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. more than the value of oh, Optimus. Oh, well, you know you know what my problem with the whole series is? Is this entire movie, Optimus Prime is dead. He gets jacked up. Really, he just gets stabbed in the tummy by Megatron, and that kills him. However, later, Galvatron blows up Ultra Magnus completely into a million pieces, and then the junk robots just stick them back together, wipe them up, and he comes back to life like it's nothing. I'm like, could you not have done that for Optimus Prime? Right. What's the deal with that? <laughs> uh, um, but uh, And then at the end, of the song ends with Optimus Prime finally kicking the bucket, and we get sort of like some sort of synthesized like blues guitar riffs that was very reminiscent of maybe a moment from like Lethal Weapon. Yeah, that's a yeah. good, good comparison. I mean, I feel like this music is just really... I mean, obviously, I've been watching this. I've been listening to the soundtrack and watching this movie most of my life. But I feel like even separate of the movie, like this, this music is so like evocative, emotionally evocative. Like it feel, I feel what was going on in these scenes. Had I had I never seen the movie, I feel like I'd be able to listen to that track and be able to follow the story in a way. Sure. Uh, in a way, not entirely. It starts out somber, but maybe hopeful to this sort of effervescent moment of angelic, <laughs> a little spike of angelic. Uh, chorus And yeah. then And then it goes to this Dark place um, Ending with like a Dum 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 You know something wrong yeah. Just happened So Like a funeral march too. I just Yeah I think that this is a uh, This is just a great Song um, I mean And I feel like from what I've understood, I, I watched a couple of interviews with Vince DiCola about the making of the soundtrack. And he told them, he, he, A, he had to turn it around very quickly. Mm. And I guess the producers basically gave him free reign to do whatever he wanted to. And that's something I really love about this score is it feels that way. It feels like a guy willing to experiment. He's young and hungry and doing things like taking risks. And it really feels like it's the sum of one man putting all this together. Putting all of his passion into this one... thing into, into these pieces of music and that's why i think it's really honestly really special uh as far as the score goes because now if you listen to a score separate of a movie yeah like, I'll listen to, uh, you know, not I'm not dogging on these scores, but I'll listen to, like, Thor The Dark World when I'm writing sometimes because that's a score that there's no point in that score do I know other than something ex- vaguely exciting must be happening at this moment or something somber must be happening at this moment. But there's nothing, like, evocative, really, about that soundtrack. You listen to that soundtrack, and it's just good background noise and it's sort of just generically adventurous. Yeah. Um, whereas this soundtrack, and a lot of soundtracks of old, the Danny Elfman soundtracks, the Batman soundtrack from the 1989 Batman oh is gosh, very yes. much this way. Obviously Star Wars is this way, the very first Star Wars. Those are soundtracks that you can listen to and know, and granted it may just be because I've seen these movies a billion times, but you listen to them, and I feel like even separate of the movie themselves, you could follow the story based on the music, and I think that's really magical, and we don't get enough of that anymore. I feel like the, the art of the, the film score has sort of suffered in recent years. I will totally agree with you that it does
1: feel like it's very cohesive, and it feels like a person who's willing and trying to take... who's trying to experiment, trying yeah. to take chances. And I, I do really like that about it.
0: Right. And obviously, like, the, it's all synthesized, so it doesn't exactly jibe with, like, current methods and current sound. But I love it. I think it's great. And speaking of great... We're going to kick it up a notch. With oh. another with another Vince DiCola uh, collaboration, we're going to talk about Dare by Stan Bush. <laughs> Stan Bush back with another classic. Um, I have to mention, uh, last night during my research into this, uh, this is the point where looking up videos online, just trying to find Vince DiCola and or Stan Bush talking about this, I came across a band called the Cybertronian Spree. which is a band comprised of, I believe, five people, maybe six, uh, four or five of which are dressed as Transformers. And they do covers of the songs from the soundtrack. And I did come to find this just this morning that they actually have some originals as well. And they also cover other 80s tunes, such as Ghostbusters, was another video I saw. I've seen videos of that, yeah. Yeah, uh, they have a a lady singer, and I believe she also plays Keyboards, uh, who dresses R.C., uh, hot rod is their i think leads i think everybody kind of does everything because i've seen it where hot rod's just singing i've also seen it where he's playing bass um they have a, a spike witwicky who's just a normal ass dude and a and a hard hat uh who's playing guitar They have a unicron who's got a rad ass beard coming out of that mask I think he's the lead guitarist. And then on the drums is uh, one of uh, Soundwave's little tape guys, Rumble. (laughs) And then occasionally, I will see in their videos, they also have a Bumblebee and a Soundwave. But I think they're just like backup dancers. I think they're just there to dance around. And oh, oh, and I forgot, uh, there's actually on keys and another guitarist, a Quintesson. I don't even know if you remember what a Quintesson even is. A Quintesson is a a, like floating, five-headed, not tribunal, but five-headed like judge-jury-executioner style. Ruler God. of this weird, weird world of like robot fish. Uh, yes. That's the only way I can describe it. But anyway, but that's. Yes. I just wanted to call it the Cybertronian spree because amazing. I can't wait to watch more videos of them. Um, they are fantastic.
1: This song very much it's just screamed '80s. Like if you don't attach it to yes. Transformers, it very much fits in the world of. At the end of Never Ending Story, at the end of Over the Top, at the end of any Jean Claude Van Damme movie from this time, like it's just a very eighties feel, and I could see like a freeze frame, and then as the credits roll, this song is yeah is going on.
0: And this one, all again, I think it's the Vince DiCola connection. I, this also sounds like it belongs in a Rocky movie. I mean, it's
1: so similar to in Rocky Four when he's driving and. Um, There's No Easy Way Out. Yeah. Oh, I
0: love that song. Is that a Frank Stallone song? Love that song. Um, I believe Vince DiCola may have co-wrote that song, because I know he did a few songs with Frank Frank Stallone. Yeah, this is, I mean, look, this and The Touch are like the height of like 80s schlock. Yeah. And maybe that's why I love them. I don't know. I think they're fantastic. I think this is a really fun song, and I think the magic of the song goes beyond just of the '80sness and like the uplifting message and all that stuff, there's like this breakdown in the middle where it no longer is a pop song. It like melds with the score of the movie. Uh, if you if it's the point of the movie where the Decepticons appear at Autobot City and they they start to attack and Hot Rod has to save Cup and a couple of pretty dramatic things happen. Yeah, but it's all within the actual. It's the bridge of the song basically, and it goes into this like weird. Uh, Yeah, like I said, this like pop song score hybrid, and I think that's what's really cool about the song, and I just love that part of the music. Sure. And that part definitely sounds very Rocky IV. Yeah. Um, And I remember listening to the soundtrack at the time and being like, "Wow, is this was this in a Rocky movie?" Before I realized the same the composer was shared with Rocky IV. But I think it's a I think it's a neat song. It's fun. I mean, it's definitely fun. Like like I said, it's more than just fun. (laughs) It's an uplifting headbanger of a song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This one seems like a tougher sell to you.
1: It, yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's so and maybe again, it's just difficult to to separate it, but it just what I like about it again is that it does have that sort of 80s nostalgia. Uh, it's but it, it it feels so much like
0: so many 80s songs. I think that's maybe why it's not resonating with you yeah, as much. Yeah. It's well, just, I don't know. So while I agree, I mean, I did a a few years ago, I did a 10k. And it was an awesome 80s run. Okay. Here we go. John and his running. Uh, I hate running, but I did this 10K with my wife, and it was an awesome 80s run. So it was themed to the 80s anyway. Uh I had an iPod on me, which that kind of shows how long ago this was. (laughs) This was before phones took over the the job of an iPod. You had your MP3 player? (laughs) Yeah, and I had my Zune on me. Uh, so, I had it, and my, uh, I had a setting on the iPod where if you press a certain button, it would go into, like, your power song, to basically power through to the end, and it was tough, because I actually ran out of water. My first lap, they didn't have any, they had water, but they didn't have cups, and then the second lap, because we were running around the Rose Bowl, the second lap, they had cups but no water, so I basically was dehydrated as hell. It was September, so it was hot, Yeah. and, I mean, it was... they had water but no cups, did they, like throw water at like how did you, were you no just you like, just didn't drink it was just like oh whatever i'll get some on the uh, at the uh the, the starting line because you had to pass through the starting line to do your second lap and they didn't have any water there either and i was like oh, i'll just power through and i'll make it to that station again and and i'll have a sip and then i'll be fine um so i was pretty much just dying by the end of this race and it's not even like a crazy long race it's not like i was running a marathon but i was out of it by the end of it and dare was my power song <laughs> Maybe I should be embarrassed to admit that. No. And I turned it on, and let me tell you what. It got me to the finish line. Not like, only did you power through, but you power slide. I did. I it, This song makes me feel like I could do anything. <laughs> it's like, I know it's corny, I know it's cheesy, but it is legitimately one of my favorite songs. Sure. And And uh, it gives me that feeling, just like, it is like... Pure uh, freebasing happiness, freebasing joy wow. to me is this song. Uh, th- that's a little weird because this song is called Dare and... I, I know, I know. It's... I sh- dare Dare, to <laughs> dare kids keep... to stay off drugs. You shouldn't have to dare them to stay off drugs. You, I, should, you should just be able to coax them or convince them to, not, to stay I'm off... I'm I'm gonna do drugs. I dare I you dare not to. Well, ah! fine.
1: Do you, you triple dog dare me not to? Guess you got me now. You can't undo a triple dog dare. I can see that as a song, I mean, especially for an 80s run, but I can see yeah. that as a song that just kind of lifts your spirits at the end and helps you power through. I can yeah. see that for sure.
0: Also used it for a Christmas run. I used that and then also... Uh, if, you lost if, me. If you, yeah, for That was a 5K and I just did not bother. Oh, okay. I, did not, I didn't bother training for that one. Uh, didn't even bother I was, training. This Christmas guy. run in Santa Monica, one of the worst decisions I ever had. It was like one of those rare LA days where it actually rained and uh, it was this song, and also, because I, <laughs> I thought I was close enough to the end to where I could time it out where the song would still be going as I was crossing the finish line. Not the case. That's awesome. Um, and so I had to also pump in uh, I Am A Real American, which was Hulk Hogan's theme music in his early WWF days. Rick Derringer's song that's quite excellent that I recommend anybody listen to. Also very cheesy, also dealing in, dabbling in some of the same themes of self-empowerment that this song and the, and the touch... Do but uh, that that song just barely got me over the finish line during that race. But uh, were you scrambling to find a, a little power at the end of it? <laughs> I you know what? And if if so, then uh, Hulk, the Hulkster. I believed in myself and I said my prayers and I took my vitamins and I worked hard. And guess what? I got through it. Good job, brother. All right. So next up, nothing's gonna stand in our way by Spectre General. <laughs>
1: Fuck yes. That was that was pretty great. This is a song I could just turn on and listen to. Yeah, like, like completely separate from anything. I would turn this on. Had a another
0: killer guitar solo. Dude belting out some sick lyrics. Oh it. hell yeah! I think if Instruments of Destruction began like awoke the metal beast. Uh-huh. I mean, this fed it. Uh, ah yeah, yeah. Saw it to to maturity. Just uh, a little bit about Spectre General, sure. the band behind this song. A that wasn't really their name. Their the band's actual name is Kick Axe. Okay. <laughs> which I find hilarious. I love that name. But again, much like the lyrics that had to change on Instruments of Destruction, they had to change their name to Spectre General. And they would ultimately record a few more songs under that name, but they changed it from Kick Axe because of they couldn't appear on a soundtrack meant for children. Right. But um but listened to by men in their thirties, such sure. as ourselves. This was actually a cover which I came to find last oh, night. Nice. I had no idea. By a guy named John Farnham, who was apparently a team pop idol in the late 60s and throughout the 70s from Australia. Uh, he wrote the song for, a, or the song was written to be performed by him for a song called Savage Streets. Have you ever heard of it? A song called Savage Streets? No, no, no. The, sorry, a film called Savage Streets. Oh, uh, no. Uh, it stars Linda Blair. As uh, Here's the log line for it. A teenage vigilante seeks revenge on a group of violent thugs who raped her handicapped sister and killed her best friend. Jeez. It is like schlock exploitation to the max. That is rough. It's like an older Linda Blair, like older meaning not Reagan from The Exorcist, so I guess 10 years older than that, so probably in her mid-20s Okay. at that point, in like a leather bustier holding a... Crossbow. Have uh, you seen the movie? Or you no, no, no. But it's on Amazon Prime. At least it is as of right now. And I added it to my watch list because that sounds like just the kind of movie I might enjoy. That's intense. Because, I mean, it definitely sounds intense, but she hunts these thugs down with a crossbow and bear traps. Wow. It's just like a death wish type
1: yeah. situation.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's gonna probably be fantastic. Uh, so it was written for that movie and I listened to the original version and it's not quite as like heavy as this version but it's still a pretty badass song. Like I Is think it's it just, in the movie? Uh, it's in, yes, uh, Savage Streets. It is in the... I mean, yeah. you said it was written for it but I didn't know if it was actually... Oh, yeah, sorry. It was written for Savage Streets, it was in Savage Streets, and then ultimately uh, covered by Kickaxe, a.k.a. Spectre General. <laughs> it's a cool, it's just a cool song, uh, no matter how you slice it. Like, it was a cool song by him, yeah. and a much uh, less intense, it was still kind of hard rocking, but much less intense than this version. But this version, like, has that killer riff at the beginning, which yeah. is, it's like a sort of high-pitched, like, really fast, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's cool.
1: Yeah.
0: It's uh, something, like, I've, not, I've never heard anything like it before or since. Uh, In terms of a riff. And it's just, yeah, another like fist pumper, man. I mean, like that's kind of the thing about this album that I like is just, it's just, you know, you can jam to it. You can kind of headbang to it. And it's like good driving music. I'm, yeah, the the deeper we get into this, the more I'm
1: kind of coming over to just the soundtrack as a whole. Yeah. All of them working together and. My job (laughs) is done. You're You're getting me there. Uh, but yeah, that's, it is another fist pumper. And it, I'm finally like, you know what? Maybe I want this soundtrack. Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe you need to buy it on vinyl. I know you don't own a record player, but maybe it's time to, to make that your collection. The beginning of your collection will be Transformers, the movie, the soundtrack. I know that the, the band Spectre General slash kick apparently disbanded only a couple years after this movie came out, which I feel like is a hallmark of everyone who contributed music to really? this soundtrack, with the exception of Weird Al who is eternal, I discovered that like almost every band was done by like 1990. Uh, uh-huh. That was part of this. So including like Vince Dicola wasn't completely out of the music world, but he didn't score another film for, I think, like 16 or maybe, no, uh, t- almost 20 years. Maybe everybody was just like, hey, we did it. We L- Like I always say, retire as champion. Yeah. Mm. It's like, what could we possibly do to top that? Nothing. Yeah. Let's quit. It's like the, the island is done with them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is. I mean, I feel like I don't have to sway you on this one. This is just this a I'm, kick ass song. Board. Yeah. yeah, this is just a kick ass song. Well, uh, no, it's a kick axe song. <laughs> you did it. Next up is a song weirdly buried in the middle of the album. Uh, it's The Transformers Theme mm. by Lion. And I discovered last night, I've I always been perplexed by its placement because I've only listened to it on CD. Uh, because it's, like I said, it's right in the middle. Like, why yeah. would the theme of the movie be in the middle? But. Discovering, looking at the track listing, that it would have been the beginning of side two uh, uh, on a cassette or on an LP. Oh, so yeah. so it's a good way to start uh, side two. So shall we? Yes. Let's shall. Who <laughs> boy. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> Katie bar the door. No holds barred. That Sir was awesome. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> um, that was longer than I remembered. Well, yeah, in the movie they cut it down
1: considerably. That was also very difficult to um, divorce from the movie since they're screaming Transformers. Well, look,
0: okay. This one is the one that you literally can't because they are (laughs) telling the story of the movie through beautiful lyrics. However, when he got to the part again, another
1: killer guitar solo but when they got to the part about um, you know, judgment and darkness, driving darkness away and stuff, I was like, yeah, now we're just back to a normal like killer song.
0: Yeah. And like, it's interesting because it was written by uh, the singer and the guitar player of the, the band who did the song, Lion, and then also Anne Bryant and Ford Kinder, who wrote themes together for a lot of Hasbro shows. Like, for instance, Ann Bryant wrote the theme for Jim and the Holograms mm. um, for, I believe, the Transformers themselves. So, like, it was an interesting mix because there was this element of, like, just a regular... Hard rock song or a metal song yeah. with v- obviously the very specific plot points. I mean they got it all in there. They got Unicron in there, they got Till All Are One. They even worked in the old Transformers theme. That was like the uh <laughs> the bridge was yeah. the uh the old, the original melody of the Transformers theme. They got more than meets the eye in there, Robots the in Disguise. The skies. I mean, come on. This is like the perfect theme song. Not until the Partners in Crime would take on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> In uh, 1990, <laughs> would this be Eclipsed, um, which that is probably my f- single favorite, like, theme movie theme song, yeah. of which there are a lot, because you could count stuff like Footloose, you know, Kenny Loggins, obviously, the master of the movie theme, but, like, Footloose doesn't, like, tell the plot, you yeah. know what I mean? Whereas, you know, This Tells the Plot, Partners in Crime, T-U-R-T-L-E, Power... Tells the plot of the movie, even yeah, though they do Raphael get one thing. The... Oh, don't even get me started <laughs> on Raphael. He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear group. He is not the leader of the group. Leonardo is the leader of the group. They got that wrong. Raphael is the Wolverine. And I know that the Wolverine is always the leader because they're the more popular one because everyone likes them. But who is there? Who's the steadfast one that keeps them from rushing into battle and getting their asses beat every time? Leonardo. Splinter. Oh, Leonardo yeah. Leonardo is. Splinter's ghost is. <laughs> uh, anyway, but enough about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That is a conversation for another time that we'll invariably get to. It will be had. But this song... I mean, it just gets me pumped. And I think it's like partially just being such a big fan of not only this movie, but the Transformers in general and the style of music. But Jesus Christ, it's like... It's, it's a pumping song. A, it I mean, is a barn burner, man. I, I'm I'm on board with this song.
1: You know, I, I might not blast it because they're screaming about Transformers, but... I don't, I don't is, care. I blast this shit. This is a... I really dug the song just as a
0: song. Like, the uh, performance of it was killer. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, like, look, if you put this and uh, NRG's, the Instruments of Destruction, and then the duo of Spectre General songs, you might think this was all the same band doing it. It's definitely a style of, like, mid-level 80s hair metal. But, yeah, it's just, like, it works. It just works. I mean... got my blood pumping. Yeah, for real. Uh, This is another case of a band that disbanded. They mostly did... This band, Lion, did mostly, like... Themes for movies or, or songs that would appear in movie soundtracks. Like, they had a, a song that was in uh, 1984's Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, hmm. which is funny to me, because when I saw the, oh, The Final Chapter, oh, shit, that was in 1984, wow. which was nine years before the movie The Final Friday, which itself was 16 years before the latest entry in the franchise, Friday the 13th, so clearly not really the final chapter nothing final about any of that yeah but yeah after they did they had some sort of middling success probably this song may have been their most well-known yeah 1990 their drummer like broke his neck he didn't die Jeez. he was trying to do a motorcycle trick which i shouldn't laugh at that i guess i can laugh because he's okay but uh i something about that like I apparently tore the band apart because it's like it tore get him it. apart. i was like whatever have you seen spinal tap just go get another drummer guys But he, uh, yeah, he broke his neck, and the band disbanded in 1990. Probably good, because I feel like that style of music was definitely not in vogue anymore, so I don't think they would have been long for this world anyway. But um, God bless them for this. I wish they would have done themes for, like, every movie ever. Like, Spider-Man, a babe, a pig in the city... (laughs) Uh, the Matrix. Spider-Man would be awesome. Spider-Man would be awesome if they were like did some lyrics about the Green Goblin and like Aunt May baking hotcakes and stuff. Ugh, sure. That would be amazing. Yeah, and I just can't... Bl- I mean, I'm just amazed by how this captured like everything about this movie and just like the tone of everything. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, so the next one is another Vince DiCola, another uh, segment from the score itself. We're going to go with Escape. <laughs> another stellar selection from the... The orchestral, not not so orchestral soundtrack. The synthesized, the synthesized, soundtrack. synthesized yeah, the synthesized <laughs> soundtrack of the movie. What'd you think? That was a journey. Like that song was a journey. It, it is. It's quite, got quite a few segments. The um, the
1: beginning segment, like it gets into this sort of sexy area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I could listen to this. I mm-hmm. could li- just like throw this on, be drawing or whatever. Throw this little sexy number on. But then it gets into like this very punishing part of it. That's the Decepticons theme. It recurs throughout the entire thing. Yeah, it's... Punishing is a great way to put it. And then it transitions from that into another Rocky
0: movie. (laughs) Yeah, definitely to Rocky. uh, And kind of more like outtakes from the song Dare. Just like kind of peppy. They were like, we have some leftover stuff. Let's throw it in here. Let's throw it all in here. And this definitely sounds like a yes song, like a prog rock. Like early Genesis or... Uh, yeah. Rush or something like that, like the the quick time changes and stuff, um, were really interesting. I, I I mean I really dig this. It is definitely um, one of the more like jarring. Yeah. Experiences. I mean, like the death of Optimus Prime had three distinct portions to it, but they all sort of flowed together a little bit better. This one's very like whiplashy. Yes, like uh, not the song Whiplash by Metallica, <laughs> uh, which I love. But no, this uh, I I love this because again it evokes the feelings of watching the movie because I can remember the scenes where the Autobots are just trying to get away from the Decepticons, uh, the newly uh, refurbished Decepticons, might I add. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. It's,
1: I, I I mean, I like I said, I, I when I was first listening to it, I was like, oh okay, this. You know, separate from the movie, this is uh, something I could throw on in the background and just enjoy for what it is. But when it transitioned out of that first part into that more aggressive section and then into the Rocky section (laughs) and, and then into just whatever they had left over, like it was so, as you said, it was sort of jarring between each section It was so clearly sections that I was
0: like, you know what? I don't know that I would... My blood pressure will start to go (laughs) up. I don't feel the same way. Uh, I really like the song because it makes great use of the synthesized bass guitar. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Which I'm a big fan of Like Spaceballs The the theme Does that Uh, David Bowie's 1983 album Let's Dance Uses a lot of synth bass I mean among many Other acts of the time But like those are The couple that always Spring to mind I love that And I'd probably love it Honestly because of this movie So I feel like I really enjoy that But but yeah It is a little It's a little harrowing You kind of feel like You're in the shit With the Transformers That's the thing Again it like Gives you the emotions That you're there
1: Yeah You're on the ground That's the thing Is like I I think it works Beautifully and perfectly In the movie I'm saying separate But as a soundtrack. Yeah.
0: Which is what we're talking about. Yeah. That that I'm
1: not I I enjoyed it. Like and I I agree with you with everything you said, including the synthesized bass. Like like there's a lot of stuff I really like about that. I just don't know that
0: I'm gonna like throw it on and and like just jam out to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean look, this is the section of the album. There's a couple of songs in a row here where it's kinda just like Okay, we're you know we've been through the the highlights are the bu- the Bush, <laughs> the <laughs> Touch by Stan Bush, all the way to the Transformers theme by Lion. <clears throat> then we have a couple of songs before we get to what I think is one, also the highlight of the album. Okay, but yeah, this is sort of like the you know t- sure. t- turning it down. This is side sure. B. Sure. You know, yeah. let's cool it off a little bit, cool our sure. jets a little bit. Yeah. Uh, shall we go into Hunger by oh, Spectre yeah. General? <laughs> A classic fade out at the end of that song. How I, wonderful!
1: I love that fade because I I imagine that he's still singing right now. Yeah, he's he, he's he hasn't still stopped screaming about. His like
0: they've all left the studio. <laughs> like no, just no one ever like turned the red light off, and he's just like, all right, I guess I'm still. It's burning me. It's burning. I, I'll admit that this of the like metal songs in this. This is probably my least favorite song on the record. All I could think of was. Lay off me, I'm starving. <laughs> yes. Um, he says hunger. Because he so said, times. I'm hungry, which is a lyric I can definitely relate to. <laughs> me too. Uh, but, you know, this is definitely like the, I don't want to say it's like the low point. I mean, in a in an album full of high points. Right. If you're the low point, then you're, you know, still, you're, still, you're still doing okay. I feel like this, sound, this song reminds me of like Kiss without the makeup in like the mid 80s, which uh. is, I mean...
1: That's specific.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, maybe I understand that better than most people, but I just feel like, again, just sort of like a middling metal song that really doesn't like aspire to do much, other than... His voice aspired. Oh, it did. He did. He pulled out all the stuff. He was going full Paul Stanley. Like, scream, yell, roar, growl at the same time. The entire time. It was was kind of amazing. Like, you pointed out during the song, like, everything in the song is just epic. Yes. Like, and nothing about the song otherwise, like, in his vocal performance, everything's epic. Otherwise, it's just a pretty middle-of-the-road song. And what is... What is he hungry for? I don't know. Like, like I was trying to figure a that sexual out. sexual song? I probably... Because it... Basically, all was, songs are about sex.
1: Yeah. I mean, it felt that way. And then, so that made me a little uncomfortable that at the beginning, he was like, I'm willing to break the law and take what I want. Yeah. I mean, but I do
0: love that couple just from a, the perspective of, like, rebelliousness. Yeah. When I, I, I see what I want, I'm going to take it. If it's against the law, you can bet I'll break it. That's, yeah. that's a rad lyric.
1: Yeah. No, I was down with the lyric and then as the song went on and
0: on and I was like, wait... Is he talking about sex? What is he talking about? My need to feed gives me the will to survive. I gotta find it fast to keep me alive. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I assumed... Then he's, uh, like, burning at the end, so Yeah, like maybe he caught something. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think it's his insatiable hunger for... Either it's his insatiable hunger for sex or, like, an insatiable hunger for just, like, general just like satisfaction. rebelliousness. Yeah, like, satisfaction, tomfoolery. I mean, I maybe it is just, like, he has a burning desire... To go just fuck shit up and, like, to cause trouble and mayhem. I think he has a hole in his heart. And he's just not sure how to fill
1: he's it. He's not sure how to... It. He's looking for anything he can find to fill that
0: hole in yeah. his heart. And, like, I'm going to tell him, like, go to Detroit. There is a gang of dudes with giant guns and Paul Crane from ER. And they may have to fight a metal RoboCop Sure. Um, at some point. And one of them might get toxic waste spilled on him and may splatter on a windshield. But, like... Those seem like your type of guys. Yeah. Those are those guys just existed. Just general to just, mayhem. Yeah. Just yeah, like they didn't have a purpose. Yeah. Um, it was just uh, yeah, just to be bad dudes, just and that's see what the seemed, world burn. That's what this uh, whoever wrote this song. I, for, which I like that sentiment. I just uh, as the more it went on, I was like, but wait, what are we talking holy about? Holy shit! Like five, six people were: Larry Gilstrom, Brian Gilstrom, Victor Langan, George Kristen, Raymond Harvey, and Spencer Proffer are the writers of the song. It, it took, took that many people to <laughs> write that song? <laughs> it took that many people to write this song. That's insane. I don't know if that's just every member of the band, kick Axe, and they just all contributed, but there's, like... I know Spencer Proffer also was the producer of this, so I don't think he was a member of kick Axe. He was the one that was like, guys, it should fade at the end. <laughs> yep. He, and they're like, ah, we got to put him on the <laughs> credits now. But, uh, I mean, like, look, I enjoy the song. It's never one that I, like, seek out. In the same way that I'll seek out Dare or I'll seek yeah. out the Transformers theme or the touch. So, um, it was pretty short, I felt. Yeah, it was pretty pretty quick. So yeah, I mean, you know, a good song, but nothing, nothing to write home about. Here's why it's decent. Here's why it's decent. <laughs> and I think we pretty much said, yeah. probably more than Spectre General themselves would have to say about it in all honesty. <laughs> so I did read somewhere that they were really happy with this song. Oh, good. So I'm, you know what? Good job, guys. Well played. And, uh, all right, so now we're going to go into our next to last song. It is another section of Score by Vince DiCola. Okay. The Autobot Decepticon Battle. More of that Decepticon theme that <laughs> raises your blood pressure. I was
1: stressed out. Oh, uh, boy, oh, boy. No, it was, um, actually, this one was less so than, than the previous one. This one was more stylistically uh, Even. consistent yeah, throughout. Yeah, for sure. I think it was the back and forth is what got me on the other one. This one, I was trying to think of a time when I would listen to this, like where I just like, you know what? I want to listen to this. I guess if I was driving... Or if I were doing Jazzercise, which I don't do. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not a bad running song. I've definitely had some yeah, of these I'm songs in a, in a mix with... And this is the only one out of the score that I would listen to while I'm, like, exercising. Yeah, um, okay, that makes sense. I, I mean, I just enjoy it as a piece because it reminds me so much of the movie. And I've yeah. always... Obviously, I've gushed about the soundtrack for over an hour now, but... It's just like, I could eat this score up with a fork and a knife. It is wonderful. And, and I just love this scene, too. Obviously, I love the whole movie, but this scene in particular, which is the towards the beginning, it's when the Autobots are fighting against all odds. Uh, they're outmanned, outgunned. Everyone's dying. We see Wheeljacks on the ground. No pomp and circumstance. He's just dead. Yeah. Uh, this is before Optimus Prime shows up. And it's just cool to me. Like, it, it was the first time... Watching that show when I was when I was a kid, where it felt like there were stakes.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I, so much, so much at that time, in that time period, for shows, not even just like kid shows, but like the A Team, which I guess is still, I guess, can fall into that category. But like sure. there were nobody ever got hurt, nobody ever got killed for for sure. Yeah. And yeah, in the in the movie in the Transformers movie, as we said, people are dying. Optimus Prime has a huge death. Like there's actual. Uh, things at stake. Yeah,
0: here. and at this point in the movie, we had already seen Ironhide, Ratchet, Wheeljet, or Prowl, and um, and Braun all get killed, get massacred yeah. within a minute, and we were like, oh shit, anybody could die. Yeah. And of course, none of these Autobots end up dead by the end of the movie <laughs> uh, because they're the new toys that need to go on the shelf, but, uh, but man, yeah, it was just like, oh God, anything could happen. Yeah. And I feel like, that actually, the Anything Can Happen feel is kind of just indicative of the whole score. Because you never know where the score is going to go. What yeah. the next thing is going to sound like. You never can like totally get comfortable with it. And that's kind of what I love about it. It's very dynamic. No matter what track you pick, it's all very just big and in your face. And This song actually did get me back
1: on to the... I want to buy this soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, oh man, I
0: feel like I've done the Lord's
1: work today. This is great. Yeah, this. I just sitting here listening to it. I was like, you know what? I need. I need to just
0: get this yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, I've. I couldn't agree with you more. And what a better way to conclude things than what is my favorite song on this album? One of my favorite songs of all time. One Weird Al Yankovic's <laughs> Dare to Be Stupid. <laughs> Oh, wowza. Well, I'm just... For a little bit of background. Yes. Weird Al was worshipped as I'm sorry, a, Weird Al Yankovic? Weird Al Yankovic oh, okay. was worshipped as a god in my home by me when I was growing up. It was an event anytime a new video of his would come out. Uh, Most people were, you know, waiting around the TV for Michael Jackson or Madonna videos, but we were definitely waiting around. When Fat came out, oh oh, man, Like like everything in my household stopped. My dad and I thought Weird Al was the funniest thing that had ever been committed to film. We... Adored him. I love the movie UHF. I think that's going to have to be a future episode because I I love that movie. I showed it to my wife pretty recently and she was like, what is anything (laughs) watching this? I Um, haven't seen it
1: since I was super young, so I'd love to revisit
0: it. It's basically just like a a clip show of like Weird Al's ideas that clearly like... There's even like a video just in the middle of it for the Beverly Hillbillies song that's... Based off the Dire Straits song? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just in the middle of the thing. He, like, falls asleep, and then we have the entire music video, and then he wakes up, and it was like, what was the point of any of that? <laughs> but I love that movie so much, um, even if Michael Richards is in it. Too soon. Yeah, yeah. But this song in particular is one that's always stood out to me, because it's one of those rare Weird Al songs that's not a direct parody of anything. Um, certainly, he's had a lot of these over the years, but this was obviously a send-up of, like, Devo, of New Wave... And I just, like, love this song. Um, I saw Weird Al at the Hollywood Bowl a few years back, and I uh, was with the full orchestra. And I could have, like, I loved every minute of that concert, but they played Dare to be Stupid in about the middle, and they all put on, like, radiation suits. They basically changed costumes between every song, which was great. And they put on radiation suits and did this song, and it was just, like, I, that. could have been that one song... And I would have been happy and felt like it was money well spent. That's awesome. It was fantastic. And so you have Transformers. You yes. have Weird Al. Yes. And then on top of that, as a kid, I also was a fan of Monty Python. I guess I, you could say I still am. So you have the scene where they're on the junk planet. These r- junk robots come out. And their leader, Retgar, is voiced by Eric Idle of Monty Python. So you had this convergence of three things that I just loved as a kid all coming together at once. Which is probably why I find this to be my favorite song on the album. Wow. Um, I know. And it's it's kind of a cheat because this is the only one that, like, is on a different album. Like, it existed three years before the movie came out. It was on his 1983 album, Dare to be Stupid. And I've listened to that album my whole life. So it's a bit of a cheat that this is, like, my favorite. But Dare to be Stupid, the song. I mean, it's a song so good. Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo says he hates Weird Al because the song is so good. Obviously I knew the
1: song before the or separate from the movie, but that scene in the movie is so that's what I see when this plays. Like we were you had brought up the music video and I don't really remember the music video, but I remember this scene from Transformers yeah. the movie with this music playing. Yeah.
0: The uh, the music video is wild. It's a lot of like stop motion animation, traditional animation, clips of old, weird workout videos. Um, it's a, it's obviously a send-up of Devo. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of sections in it feel, feeling like they were copying like, Devo videos exactly. Right. But I'm not super well-versed in Devo's videos, except for Whippet. But it's still that style, because I feel like Whippet randomly cuts to like weird 50s footage of just people doing random things. So it's kind of that. And it's it's a really, really fun video. I definitely recommend looking it up. In fact, I also recommend looking up the video for The Touch, which is just Stan Bush <laughs> in front of a green screen. Uh, shooting lasers out of his guitar, and he's semi-transparent, and clips from the movie are playing behind him, and it <laughs> right. doesn't sound great, but it's pretty wonderful. Uh, but yeah, this—I mean, there's—I could dive into the song for forever, but just like so many, just rapid-fire, clever lyrics. Like what? Um, well, I mean, yeah, favorite. Oh or... God, let me put down, I, just from the beginning. Just put down your chainsaw and listen to me. It's time for us to join in the fight. It's time to let your babies grow up to be cowboys. It's time to let the bed bugs bite. Uh, talk with your mouth full. Bite the hand that feeds you. Bite on more than you can chew. What can you do? Yeah. You can dare to be stupid. I also... That's pretty awesome I, I live... By the idea that you can dare to be stupid. Because, like, without being stupid, if, if I hadn't done anything stupid, I wouldn't have done half the shit that I've done in my life anyway. Yeah. And, like, it's just, to me, feels like taking a risk is daring to be stupid. And that's that's when real art and real discovery happens. Yeah. There that's, are some... That's r- deep, man. Uh, there's some weird lyrics here, like, you can eat a bunch of sushi and forget to leave a tip. Because most of it is common phrases that are turned on their ear that he's telling us not to do. Yeah. Um, that's pretty common. Yeah. You can be a coffee achiever. I have never understood what that means. What's another one? Um, oh, yeah, you can squeeze all... Uh, you better squeeze all the Charmin you can while Mr. Wimpole's not around. Well, who's Mr. Wimpole? Maybe I could have uh, just Googled it, but I thought maybe that, you would know. I don't know. I don't know if that's from a commercial. Or, I know
1: Charmin was about the, like, squeezing it. Yeah. Thing, but I don't know if that was... Specific
0: to a commercial of the time. Yeah, what? maybe, maybe. And then there's you better sell some wine before it's time. Does that mean like before the wine is before it's probably properly aged? aged? Okay, yeah. all right. That would have been better with whiskey, but I guess whiskey has too many syllables because yeah. doesn't whiskey whiskey the barrel age whiskey? But well, um, yeah, but I mean, also with wine, like you're if they're like, oh, it's this year,
1: like oh, yeah, like it's
0: cooler to get like a
1: yeah. 1942, whatever, whatever.
0: Oh, yeah. I can't afford those. I usually get the 2017, <laughs> like yeah, the one the, that was last two year. The two-buck Chuck is it, probably more my speed. Yeah. I'm also just not a big drinker, period, so I don't like... Me either. It. I can't really, can't really tell the difference between the two. Uh, one of my favorite lyrics of all time in anything is towards the end where it's just them saying dare to be stupid over and over again and Weird Al's chiming in between things and he says, I can't hear you. Okay, I can hear you now. That, uh, that's pretty great. And he did that at the concert, and I about died. <laughs> and this is the traditional end of the album. This is the end of the CD that I bought back all those years ago, and so that's why we're ending it. There are a couple of extra pieces of score in the 30th anniversary re-release that oh. are worth listening to, like Unicron's theme in particular is very spooky uh, and cool, but I think let's just like call it this, like, end it on the highest note possible. This is a thrilling song it's exciting it's fun it's funny it's like everything you could possibly want in a song don't you think uh yes so tell me now that you've listened to the entire album
1: yeah what do you think you really did win me over like i as i said i really enjoyed the movie transformers the movie Mm -hmm. but it's never a soundtrack that i would have thought like oh i need this in my collection after having listened it listened to it with you and gone through it in such Mm -hmm. detail i i Definitely I'm gonna get it. Hell like, yeah.
0: It's just... I mean, it's on th- Spotify, so you don't actually have to physically get anything. No, I'm gonna go get it. Ooh, yeah. Why don't you go... You should drive to Tallahassee, Florida. Or you could fly. It would take a while to drive. See if that CD warehouse is still open. And see if they have a one more copy. If they replace the one that I bought with a, new, a fresh copy, and if know, it's still there. that sounds stupid, but what I've learned is that I need to dare to be stupid. What a way to close it out. What do you guys think? Do you think the soundtrack had the touch? Or do you think it just dared to be stupid? Let us know. Send us an email at hwigpodcast at gmail.com or... You can find us on social media, on Twitter at hwigpodcast and on
1: Instagram at hwigpodcast. Share your photos, share your thoughts. Let
0: us know what you think about Transformers, Robots in Disguise. Mm-hmm. Uh, share your memories of this movie. Did you cry when Optimus Prime died or were you like me? You're like, oh yeah, they don't really have us toys anymore and... all right whatever you knew he'd be back anyway in the sequel which he was spoiler alert oh sorry sorry i'm just ruining everything today
1: (laughs) or if you have ideas for something that you hate share it with us we want to know what you hate so we can tell you why it's great yes so let us know on all of our social media platforms send us a quick
0: email whatever floats your boat until then i'm john bring and i'm sebastian and here's why it's great
1: Dirk Diggler demo. Vocals up. You got the touch. Take seven.